Sidewinder. You ready over there? Mm. It's time for the Council Roundup. All right. Yep, there you go. Good sound effects. Thanks. You should go into acting. Thanks. Oh, I anyway, dabbled uh, in it once or twice. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Council Roundup from Head West Sub Stop. When you want a great sub, you got to Head West. Yeah, well, and, and uh, the, I, I'm hoping I didn't chop too much here because uh, I don't have too much of the bites left. There was a lot of conversation. Two hour and 53 minute committee of the whole meeting <laughs> last night. A uh, um, lot of things discussed. Uh, we'll get started with the budget here because everybody's kind of keeping track of the numbers. We've been keeping a close eye on that. Uh, the budget tsunami. We got a little bit of the good news yesterday in a breaking news thing. We'll play that for you in just a little bit. But first, let's get the official numbers as read to the council by Treasurer Misty Busher. Oh. The beginning balance is $14,651,707. We took in total receipts of $18,008,811. We had total disbursements in the month of September totaling $19,723,704, which left the corporate fund ending balance in the month of September at $12 million. $936,814. Okay, so a significant dent there. I mean, they're, they're, they're about a million five. We were at fourteen six. We're now to right around thirteen. So a little over a million five, you know, in, in expenditures. But certainly not the tsunami that we thought, you know, for the deficit. I mean, there's there's concern there at a million and a half. But uh, really, we were thinking like that that uh, you know, spending down that reserve could be a reality by February, and we've only put about a million and a half dent in it for July, which is not too bad right now. And of course, we got those that breaking news uh, yesterday. You know, from Budget Director McCarty, and this is what he had to tell us. We got him. Did get our latest sales tax numbers from the month of July. Is something we've been waiting to get. We, you know, July is when we went to what phase four, I think it was, or at the very tail end of June. So it's always been extremely important for us to see what happened in the month of July, and then going forward, see whether or not there's an uptick and whether it plateaus, et cetera, et cetera, as we get into next year's budget planning. I will tell you that we have been pretty surprised with the amount of sales tax, the activity that we saw in the month of June and July. And in a couple of cases, I think in the month of July, both state and city sales taxes were over what we had originally budgeted for the year. And in June, I think the state sales tax number was up a couple of percentage points over budget. And then the city sales tax was still down, I think, 3% versus what we had projected at the beginning of the year. So, we are unsure whether or not that is things getting back to normal or most back to normal from a, a retail standpoint, certainly not general life, but from a retail standpoint, or if it just was pent up demand from people who were stuck at home in April and May. Right. They couldn't get out when they normally would because April and May were, were down considerably from what we budgeted. So we're kind of thinking some of that pent up demand pushed forward into June and July. We won't really know until we get the next couple of months of sales taxes to see if it drops back down or sort of plateaus. But certainly it's a good sign to see what happened in the month of June and July. It definitely helped us a little bit, and we've revised our projections going forward. In fact, Greg, uh, given a report, I think, next probably next week at the council meeting, but one of the things that we've seen consistently is that projections, as we've updated them because of new data, 
we've been sort of in that scenario A, B, as you know, we've, we've been doing the A, B, C, D. We're, we're dropping the C and D scenarios, which are the two worst case scenarios and sticking with the, you know, the best case A and then, uh, you so know. So that's about what, what, like 10 to 12 million then? No. Well, it was way back when we didn't have any data. But as we've gotten this data, and as I told you, we've seen June and July improve. We've actually updated that down. We're, we're somewhere around, I think it's five to seven million right now. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, so it has, <laughs> wow. Seven. Yeah, That's no great. kidding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're actually hearing it here first. I haven't even said anything publicly about it because I love I love it when you come on and break news on the yeah, airwaves. That's all right. uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. So we got that breaking news story, but but again, you know, the projection for the deficit for the year is five to seven million, but we had a deficit in July of a million and a half, which oh, yeah. or a million six actually, which is which is pretty significant. So hopefully that shores up a little bit. I mean, it was a it was a little bit of a jump, but we had not seen the the you know that's almost like the initial wave, so to speak, because we had not seen the big differences in the budget for the previous months. We didn't see a real significant drop in the corporate fund, but we did see one this last month here in that report. But again, Treasurer will have his report, you know, coming up uh, uh, you know, Budget Director McCarty will have his report actually uh, coming up uh, uh, next week at the council meeting and we'll mm-hmm. find out more about that. 718 still to come. When we come back, we're going to talk about the uh, situation with the landlords and also with the renta and what kind of assistance is going on. Valiezel addresses the council and and so does a member of the Springfield Landlord Association who we don't have a name for. I apologize about that, but we'll get that fixed here on the Roundup. One of the stories that we have been following carefully on the morning news feed has been the rental situation in Springfield, especially with the uh, moratorium going on right now when it comes to uh, uh, rent being paid. And, and it's a, it's quite a strain on families, quite a strain on landlords, quite a strain on banks. It, it, it's been uh, the perfect storm, if you will, in all of this. And uh, at the forefront of this, though, in getting relief is Val Yazel. She has done an amazing job and a, and a super communicator, too, even from my personal experience, but a lot of others share that. But uh, one of the things that was an issue was the communication between the Urban League, which has been administering this project, you know, or this 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 federal government uh, subsidy uh, for helping out with housing, and the city. You know, the city kind of working as the pass-through for the funds, and there became an issue about who exactly was being helped and how many people had been helped. And the city was very concerned because they thought it was a low number. And I'll yet I'll, I'll, uh, let Val take it over from there. Right. So for us, and because we had not received any um, invoices, I, we assumed nobody was being served. What we found out today is that the Urban League has had made a decision just for their own accounting purposes um, to work with their system is not to enter anything into the system until they were ready to send us an invoice. And so, again, without any other communication, that's what I, we were going by what was in the system. We found out from Marcus today that they decided when they invoices, which will be, what did they say, like the end of the month? At the end of the month, then at that point, they will enter things into the system and then we'll get the invoice there. So I hate that there was this miscommunication, um, but when we were doing the training, it was to be a um, real-time input of information. So what all I could ever see was that only a few people were entered in the program. 
So I'm going to kind of leave it at that to help you understand some of the emails that I understand that all of you received uh, within the last maybe 48 hours or so. So again, what that means right now is that that the city had been looking at this. Uh, the Urban League had decided to wait and not to enter these uh, uh, people that are being helped with these $1,000 subsidies in real time. What they decided to do was wait till the invoice was going on. And the city was frantic going, hey, hey there's only been about 20 people helped. What's the deal here? Well, it turns out 113 people have been helped uh, with the $1,000 rent subsidy that was a government grant passing through the city of Springfield and dished out by the Urban League. And uh, that is going to be invoiced very soon. But in the meantime, you know, we know that 113 people have gotten $1,000 uh, assistance to help, you know, to, to uh, help with their rent. And a lot of people are behind by way more than $1,000, but the grant was only for 1000 That was the limit on it. So people have been helped and hopefully they can get this communication back in. I, I really do believe, you know, I understand about accounting and all the other stuff, but I hope the Urban League continues to uh, or, or goes by their training that they got and enters these things in real time so we can see the progress that's being made as we go along. But, but uh, yeah. you know, understand how accountability works and everybody's accounting system is a little bit different and the Urban League prefers to enter it when they want to send the bill out, you know, at the time. So right. uh, we'll see what happens. But at least they got that communicated and that's good. Now let's move on to the landlords. And again, I'm, my apologies on this. Uh, part of the Zoom meeting era, uh, he was just introduced as somebody from the Landlord Association. <laughs> they never got his name. But nonetheless, he had a lot to say, and here's what the man had to say last night. And we've had very good success working with people, and that's what we do. We, we service folks. We work with people. Um, it's, it's a symbiotic relationship between us and them. They don't get paid. We don't get paid. We don't get paid. The bank doesn't get paid. The taxes don't get paid. The insurance doesn't get paid. Maintenance doesn't get done. So it's a big circle, and it really does start with those folks that are renting our places for, as their home. So... Um, I, I have ten, I have ten people right now that need help, and they're getting further and further behind, and it's through no fault of their own. We have been working with them as well as we can. Okay. Um, luckily, I'm in a better position as I've been in this business for a very long time. There are other folks out there that are not in as a good good as position as we are, and they're they're floundering. They're going to fail, and. When this, when this all gets said and done, we're going to have foreclosures like, oh, it makes 08 look like nothing. Wow. That, oh. that, that right there, the powerful statement at the end, we're going to have foreclosures that make 08 look like nothing. Uh, and, and this, and again, you know, it was nice to hear the sympatheticness of the landlord in that in that little clip because he understands it's not just the, the the economy and the jobs. There are people that are unable to work because they've got kids at home on Zoom learning because their kids are little and they don't have any place to put them. You know, they've they've got to do the watching, so they've had to quit their job. There's been a lot of people that have been in that boat, and and of course there are scofflaws. There are people that that got the stipend and decided to blow it and didn't want to pay their rent because they figured the government would come up with some kind of program, and and the government may still come up with that program. But without help, we're going to see foreclosures in this town that are going to make 08 look like nothing. And that, that's from a landlord. And and, mm. and I got to believe that that's the truth. You know, it's like this is a bad situation for everyone involved in this rental situation. Not only the renters, but the landlords, too. They've got to make that payment to the bank. And if they can't, they're foreclosed on. Then what happens? You know? 
Yeah. What happens to real estate prices? What happens to a lot of things? So so there definitely needs to be more help to get out of the pandemic when it comes to the rental situation in Springfield. And we'll keep an eye on that. And Val Yazel's been excellent at communicating with us. And when we get some more programs or information on how more federal funding or more state funding or wherever the funding comes to help out some of these people, we will pass that along immediately to you. And Val knows that too. And she's got a free pipeline to us to do that. A little, a little word from our most valuable alder for this week, Ralph Hanauer. Um, we seem to figure out a way to make a, a one-hour meeting into three hours, no matter what. And I know the press is really happy with us. You know, uh, so. But the, that alone would have got a most valuable alderman, but he did a lot more, and we'll talk about that right. in a little bit when it comes to video gaming. Because, of course, uh, a proposal was put on right now. Here, Here's what happened. Um, when, when it comes to video gaming, each terminal is collected a, a, a yearly fee, and it's, I believe, $250 in the city of Springfield. And, and what's been uh, going on about that is that the retailer has been, you know, paying the 250, and half of that has been uh, spiffed back in forms of credit or whatever uh, by the video game owner. I mean, that's that's at least the way I understood it from last night. So, 125 dollars goes, you know, to to the you know the the, the video game owner itself, you know, IGS or J and J or whatever they they are, you know, pay back uh, the the retailer 125 dollars per machine for that annual fee that's going on. Well, the Illinois Gaming Board had ruled, you know, the the body overseeing all of this, had ruled that that isn't right, that the retailer should be on the hook for the entire 250 for that, you know, unless there's ordinance that says differently. And so that's what the, this is all about. You know, this has been called to the attention of the aldermen. They're trying to craft some kind of ordinance where the gaming systems pay about half. And believe it or not, the gaming systems are on board, too, with it. And uh, addressing the council first about it uh, last night, and, well, one of the guys that uh, was there was, uh, um, his name was Matt Hortenson, he, Hortenstein, rather. He is the uh, attorney for JJ Gaming. So let's hear what he had to say to the council last night. Permit fee was always split equally, whether it's set in the ordinance or not, uh, between the terminal operator, the TO, or the license establishment, the LE. Typically, that was then uh, done through a credit system with the net terminal income, the NTI, that's collected by the terminal operator, sort of like a set-off process or a, check, uh, a credits and debits type process. So typically, that uh, fee would come in, the TO would pay it, and then credit one half of that fee against the next payments NTI to the LE. That was typically how it was handled. Uh, the administrator, um, we disagreed with him. I think there was some suggestion that the uh, IGMOA, the statewide association of terminal operators, lobbied for that to be changed. That is not true. That is a false statement. Uh, I was personally involved in that. Uh, we uh, we recommended to the administrator not to do that, to leave it just the way it was. It worked just fine uh, for a host of reasons, not the least of which is it puts a greater burden on your city clerk to sort all this out. So so, uh, and it was working just fine. Uh, but the position of the administrator was uh, that is uh, not what the state law mandates. So we said, okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll have to go and sort this out. So that's the process that we're going through now throughout the state. Uh, different communities are handling it differently. Um, I think what you all are doing, maintaining the status quo, is, a, is the appropriate way. 
Okay, so there you go. Matt does a good explanation there, and and he's ready to go. And it's like, okay, I understand what you're talking about here. You know, you guys still want to be able to meet your obligation of paying half. And the way to explain it was just the opposite of the way I did. Actually, you know, the 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 video gamers were paying, or the video game operators were paying the the fees, and then and then and then moving it back. But nonetheless, there was a split of the fees. You know, that's the most important part that comes out of this. So, okay, Matt's ready to go, right? But then he's. You know, as always, that's always a problem when you're dealing with a government body. Matt doesn't understand this. Yet. I think he thought he was talking to a small town and not Chicago here. Uh, you know, and and I think that I think that he was trying to do a little muscling here when he just kept talking. And here's what he had to say. I also wanted to just briefly point out. It seems like there's what I would call kind of an unfair narrative going on that there is a. Um, a battle, if you will, between the terminal operators and the licensed establishments. I think that is an unfair characterization. From the very beginning of, of Illinois Video Gaming, this has been a partnership between the state of Illinois, the uh, uh, terminal operators, and the licensed establishments. None of us can do business without the other. We are sim- a symbiotic in every respect. Uh, to suggest that the terminal operators have no skin in this game is, is a false narrative. Um, the terminal operators do all the work to all the back office piece to make sure that there's money in those machines to be paid out, to be collected, to, uh, to the machines work. Uh, that's entirely on the terminal operator. Without the terminal operator, the LE can't make money. By the same token, the LE is critical too, and we have to be business partners with them, work together with them, because without them having their facilities clean, appropriate, properly licensed, properly manned, we can't do business. So it only works when we work together. And when we start pointing the finger at each other, the whole thing falls apart. So uh, to the extent that that may be uh, out there, I don't think that's a fair um, characterization. Uh, We work together very well by and large. Doesn't mean that we don't have some disagreements from time to time. but also, I think it's a fair split to split this fee equally. Okay, so so that really not too bad, but that yeah. kind of ruffled the feathers a little bit of uh, our MVA Ralph Hanauer, and he, you know, he took offense to the fact that the, there seemed to be a lot of uh, underlying tones of that the cities are doing nothing to help out with this or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Ralph let him have it a little and, bit. And you can find cities that are more favorable to the bars and, and the establishments, and not as favorable to the terminal operators. But I guarantee you we can find cities that are hammering their establishments an awful lot. Sure. I believe now, like one thing, you know, we, we, sure. we, we want to stop the, the number of places. We can raise, we can boost the fees up on the bars and restaurants for, for gaming. And then you got the choice whether you want to have it or not. But I don't want to do that. You know, so don't say, well, this city's, you know, hammering the one group when we can find another city that's hammering the other. Sure. You know, so if we're going to do that, we're going to we need to keep this even here. I, I, I'm sorry, but I, you know, we, we do pretty well with gaming in town and we've we haven't capped it. We've, we've, we've kept things going. Um Personally, I, you know, in the last ordinance we had, we're supposed to spend money on on audits. A third of the restaurants that aren't aren't um, aren't uh, grandfathered are supposed to be audited. Well, this year I don't think that's going to happen because of COVID. There's there's no reason to to, to do that. But 
down the road, I can see that happening. And if, if you're not if you're not following the rules, you, you're gonna you could be in trouble. Um, but my point on this is, we're trying to make a compromise here, and you know, people want to hammer one side. Okay, we'll just. I, I have no problem. Ralph, we'll I go five hundred dollars. We'll go on both sides. I think he's going along with the compromise, Ralph. I think yeah. good. All right. Well, anyway, yeah, it was it was kind of it ruffled his feathers a little bit, but he makes a great point, Al Alderman Hanauer. We are number one when it comes to video gaming and terminals and stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, you need to come with a little bit more of a respectful tone when you're asking for stuff from the city council. Yeah. You know, because they are making a lot of money for these terminal operators. They're making a lot of money for these restaurants. You know, it's making a lot of money for everybody right now and like i said the underlying problem that i talked about way back at 620 was the fact that what are we doing about the addicted gamblers here that are feeding these machines we're number one we spend an incredible amount of money per capita per month on video gaming and gambling there what are we doing to the people that have now gone into financial problems because of their addiction to gambling you know that that doesn't seem to get addressed in all of this but uh, that's for another day but in the meantime finally uh the whole thing about uh, abolishing Valiezel's department, actually, you know, the, the, the economic development, and coming up with a new program that, uh, that uh, basically, um, you know, answers to the city council rather than the mayor. You know, uh, Alder, uh, Council Zirkel uh, had some real good civics lesson going on last night about that, and let's hear about it. Creating the council coordinator's office was Alderman Redpath and myself. And so the original ordinance that was adopted actually had the uh, council coordinator in the office of city clerk appointed by the mayor. Now, somehow during the Hesera administration, they amended the city code, but that is on its face illegal. It's on its face improper. And so the original ordinance was proper, in my opinion, and there was a lot of time spent. Then Alderman Einfeller actually ended up signing the hiring because of this very issue. It was hotly discussed. I mean, it was, it's too bad we can't. It's almost deja vu all over again. And so the, the problem comes into the, uh, not only the issue of hiring and firing, there is no city council in the state, with the exception possibly of Chicago, because they're a charter. They predate the, uh, 18, or the 1970 Constitution. Um, but there's no city council in the state that hires and fires city employees. Yeah, this is an executive and legislative branch thing that's going on right now, and that's the whole crux of this, the fact that uh, the council may be overstepping by asking for that uh, consideration. So I think in, in the end, it was uh, Alderman Fulgenzi. I think he saw, said four words the whole night. Let's table this. You know, I think that was it. And, and they did. So they're going to be looking at that more before they go forward with that uh, liaison from the council. So there's your council roundup for today. Ah, good stuff.